are listening to the Swans Blogs Swans Cast, the number one Sydney Swans fans podcast. We finally broke that home streak record that no one wanted, and it was a pretty classy way to do it too. Nothing better than seeing Dane Rampy reenact the climax of King Kong. You know, a screaming damsel and a few biplanes was all that was missing from the scene. But we've got the review, the good, the bad, the ugly, the clown files, social guff, and the usual stuff. I'm Justin Mitchell, and with me is your friendly neighborhood Batman and Swans Cast regular Joshua Ma. Josh? Thank you for coming on again. <laughs> fantastic. Another fantastic uh, introduction from you there, Justin. Oh, hard at work. You know, I'm a bit of a wordsmith, even though sometimes I might not sound like it. You know, there's another word for wordsmith. BS artist. It's actually too. It's bullshit artist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I try. I do try my best. But uh, look, doing well. we've got a jam-packed show tonight, so we're going to kick straight off into it. Top of the agenda. We held a Sam Reed competition. It was a guess the time that Sam Reed goes to fullback. And the correct guess was, I think it was about 6 minutes and 34 seconds remaining in the first quarter. Officially, in our competition, he went to fullback and had a mark at 7.02 remaining in the first quarter. So we gave away our sticker prize. It was a sticker pack, three stickers, our Tater's Gonna Tate, and our two variants of the Swans blog. Congratulations to the winner. Thank you very much for playing along. And because of Dane Rampey's Harvey Danger reenactment of, you know, flagpole sitter, we're running a new competition, Josh. It's going to be the best meme on Dane Rampey. So get your memes in. The best meme will win one Tater's Gonna Tate t-shirt. You get to select one from our Redbubble shop and one Swans Blog mug. You get to pick the design you want as well. We're going to have this running until May 22nd, and we're going to announce the winner on May 23rd. So make sure you get your memes in, and we're going to vote on which one is going to be the best one, Josh. Are you going to get yours in? Uh, I'll have a go. I don't think I'm eligible to win anyway, so... Uh, oh, everyone's I'll eligible see to win. Come up with. <laughs> no, that would be... Um... <laughs> no, that would that would be a little bit uh, corrupt, wouldn't it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, with the politics around at the moment and the election coming in the next week or so, corruption's rife. I don't mind a bit of corruption these days. Oh, and corruption's in the air. Corruption's yeah, in okay. the air. Oh, fair enough. I'll see what I can come up with. Isn't that what we call socialism? I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, look, time to review the match. We finally broke our um, home ground streak, which was looking a bit nasty at one point. Five games we lost in a row. Lost uh, seven from eight. So we're about to equal the uh, 1994 record. Thankfully, Josh, we finally broke it. And it was a pretty good way to break it. And it had... um, I don't know if you remember the uh, 2012 match, but it had very much that feeling right at the end after Nick Blakey had that massive tackle with about 30 seconds left. It was disgustingly similar to the 2012 <laughs> match, wasn't it? It was uh, yep. real heart in your mouth stuff. When when Nick Blakey laid that tackle, and I was sitting there going, "Oh yes, so we've got a win!" And then and then Nick Blakey turned into Dean Towers and turned the ball over. Oh, straight um, down the throat too. Yeah, straight down the throat, and it came back. And I thought, "Oh God, here we go!" Only this time, um, what's yep. his face isn't going to be there to play on after the siren. I just forgot his name. Courtney Dempsey. 
I wish he was Courtney there, Dempsey, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was a bit of a thriller. Uh, I think uh, I think considering the way we've been playing and the relative inexperience of our team, that was a pretty solid effort, and uh, we really couldn't have asked more, uh, especially from the young guys. No, it was an absolute superb four-quarter effort, what we've been asking for all year. And to be honest, there really weren't that many points that you could sort of complain about or pick at. And Nick Blakey was certainly one of the best players for us. He had his, I guess you could call it coming-of-age match. And Jordan Dawson had one a couple weeks back. Uh, Florin had his late last season. So we have had these players, these younger and less experienced players, who are actually coming through. And they're all coming through relatively at the same time. I was uh, very, very impressed, Josh. It was an impressive hit out by our young guys. And uh, more importantly, um, they were supported by our senior blokes. Really, you know, to use Luke Parker's words, drew a line in the sand and, yeah. and went, you know, we don't can't stand for this anymore. And so they went out there and, and they got the four points. And it was it was a good game to watch. It was a four-quarter solid game. It was good viewing uh, and it was an exciting finish. It was sort of everything we've been waiting for for the yeah. last two months. Yeah, it really was. And I, I really like the way that Luke Parker led from the front as well. And he was he was really, really hard at the ball. And he was also really hard at his opponents too. But he was very fair, just very hard, very fair. And he wasn't given a quarter or an inch or anything. And um, look, he scrapped hard. And he's justifiably going to get the three Brownlow votes. And he really should get the 10 coaches votes too. Yep, absolutely. Definitely best on ground by a long way. It was a really interesting match actually because there was... Five runs of three consecutive goals by both teams throughout the match. And mm-hmm. if you have a look at the scoreworm, neither team really gets out to more than two goals in front. So there's a lead change. Mm-hmm. There's one in the first quarter. Then there's one, two, three in the second quarter. Uh, then there's just one more in the third quarter, which is when we took the lead. And we maintain that lead through to the end of the match, despite despite the heart-stopping nature of it. So it's pretty incredible that neither team really got more than, I think, like 11 or 12 points in front at any point. Yep. But yeah, look, the way that uh, Essendon started, I was... Um, my prediction, um, yeah, my prediction wasn't great. I got a bit of flack for it. I predicted Essendon by forty-one points, so I look like a bit of a bit of an idiot <laughs> because of that. <laughs> and you know, turncoat, turncoat, yeah, yeah. Oh, back on the Swans bandwagon, back on it. No, I'm always on the Swans bandwagon. But uh, when they got the first two goals, Josh, I was like, oh no, oh no, it's looking like that, isn't it? And then um, the Swans they battled back and they got the next three goals. I was really impressed by that. It was just a gutsy effort. It was a gutsy effort. Um, I don't think I, I didn't get the impression at the, off the first bounce, uh, even when we were a couple of goals down. I, I didn't get the impression that the effort wasn't there, though. I, I actually felt that even though you know the scoreboard uh, was against us in the first few minutes, I thought we're actually really having a go here. Like we've shown up tonight, and they certainly didn't didn't disappoint over the rest of the game. Um, yeah. It, it, it just it looked like we were on. You, you, everyone knows that you watch a game and, and you're only a couple minutes into it and you think, these guys are on. They are switched on tonight. And barring a Swans patented third quarter fade out <laughs> occurring again, yeah, um, yeah. I thought that we were going to be in that game, win or lose. And, and as it turns out, we, we were the winners. Yeah, that was my worry too coming at, at halftime. I was like, okay, the Swans, they're playing really, really well. They're only they're just out of it. They conceded that goal just before the break. But, you know... How how are we going to come out after the break? Are we going to give the same third quarter effort we're given for like the last three weeks, which is just non-existent? Or are we actually going to fight? And they came out, and to their credit, they were fantastic. 
you know, George Hewitt, he didn't really reach our votes. He's kind of been in some of the fans' player of the year votes. He's a really good chance to pick up probably six to eight coaches' votes, I think. I reckon he's a really, yeah. really good chance for that. He um he faded out a little bit in, in the second half, but certainly up until halftime, he well and truly had Dylan Shields' number, oh, yeah. I thought. Um, Dylan Shields and- had five disposals at halftime and was completely yeah, and right. out of the match. That's right. He, he well and truly had Dylan Shields' number. And if it wasn't for um, Merritt and uh, Fantasia, as we're calling him now, um, not Come not on, being Wog able Boy, to be say, say it properly, Wog Boy. It's Fantasia. Fantasia. Um, I prefer Fantasia, but whatever. If it wasn't for him being able to get a free run at the sticks and you know, and, and kicked a, a couple of really, really sublime goals, um, we, we could have had a, a, a comfortable lead at halftime. Um, but it was, I thought it was only Merritt and, and Fantasia at the time that really had them still in the game. Yeah, look, the other thing about Zach Merritt I want to ask you, did you actually see him do anything in the last sort of quarter and a half? No. And why do you think no, that I, was? No, I didn't. And why do you think that was? Why Merritt didn't have? Is yeah. this a trick question? No, this is not a trick question. Why do you? What do you think oh, he got had? Me now. Why do you think he had almost no impact for like the last forty-five minutes of the match? Not a lot, um, not a lot. But Dylan Shear was able to get back into the game after halftime as well. There's a reason for that, and I picked up on it in the last quarter. I saw Zach Jones with Shear. George Shewitt, he wasn't right. on Shear anymore. He was on he was Merritt. On Merritt. And Merritt, he yeah. shut down Merritt. He had Shield and Merritt in both front pockets. And he was saying, yeah. hey, do you like that, boys? So are we, are we going to say that uh, the G-Man is back at work now? Oh, That's two I, weeks in a row. I think he's better than ever with that performance. He shut down the two most dangerous players when he went on them. And he did it fairly and he did it nondescript. And to be honest, you wouldn't have noticed it unless you were really paying attention. There's none of that scragging, none of the punching. I certainly didn't notice George in the second half at all. Um, and... Uh, I noticed Shield, but I, I didn't notice Merritt. But it, now that you've said it, you're exactly right. But I never really noticed that that George was plying his trade very quietly on Merritt. Yeah, and that's probably one of the really good things about him is that he doesn't give away free kicks. He just uses it with his ability to position himself better and push his opponent away from their preferred area and their preferred feet, which is what he was able to do really effectively. Yep. So, yep. yeah, look. In hindsight, I might have given George Hewitt into the votes, but I reckon he's a really good chance of getting, you know, a lot of coaches' votes in this match, and I think that'd be well-deserved. Yep. Yep, fair enough. What did you think of Tommy McCartan's game? I thought it was really good. Uh, His combination with Nick Blakey was superb. You kind of... Look, he's 19 years old, and you you look at the other guy who's, what, 27, 28, and you're going, okay, Mm -hmm. why can't the 27, 28-year-old act, you know, perform like the 19-year-old? And we had those discussions last year, when all we were saying is, why can't Rowan be like Hayward? Because Hayward would throw himself into the contest no matter what. And if he got bashed up, that was fine. He'd get back up and keep going. But I th- well, yeah. I thought McCartan's performance in the forward line, a full forward, was superb. He did a good job on Hurley. Hurley didn't have his usual impact. It didn't help that he went no, injured late true. in the last quarter. But he outmarked him a couple of times as well. Like Some really good, solid contested marks and, out- and outdid him. I was really, really impressed. He didn't have much of the well, ball. That's the difference between... That's the difference between having a forward who can mark overhead, yeah. Um, being on Hurley, I guess, and having Franklin on Hurley who can't mark overhead. I think Franklin's with the way we deliver the ball in, it's a lot easier to defend against Franklin in that instance. Um, yeah, he's just not going to take those overhead marks. 
But I thought his bodywork positioning, uh, just the way that he was able to work Hurley off the ball as well, uh, was really impressive. So it was a really, really good indication and demonstration of where our forward line could be in three, four, five years when, you know, your Blakey and your Cartner up and running. You've got Dawson, who's in there as well. And, you know, within that time, you're probably looking at Sam Reid will be towards the end of his career. Um, Franklin will be retired or very, very close to retirement. So it's really exciting to see these two new players come through and actually demonstrate that they're more than capable of leading the line. Yep, I agree. And I think if you took away one thing from the game, if you only had one thing to take away, it would be um, that that game was probably a glimpse into what we can expect in two or three or four years' time. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, look, Nick Blakey, he was really, really good. A couple of those glimpses were phenomenal. Like that chase down tackle on Redmond was epic. It was fantastic. And then he just Dean towered at that kick like you wouldn't believe. And, yeah, I was um, really hoping Courtney Dempsey would run on the ground and say, give me the ball and play on. <laughs> he, he had a passage of play in our forward 50 where he was two on one. Uh, sorry, he he was 1v2, and he was running almost at full tilt, paddling the ball, just trying to get the ball to sit up for him. Um, and, and the ball didn't, and, and if it had of, it was going to be a certain goal to Nick Blakey. Um, and he yeah. just got unlucky with the bounce. But he absolutely outpositioned and outplayed and outmaneuvered those two Essendon blokes. And... And it was only it was only a short passage. It wouldn't have even been ten seconds. And and in that moment, you could look at him and go, "Man, this kid can play. Like he's yeah. going to be a player." Um, he, yeah, uh, I, I I really really can't wait to see what he looks like in two years' time. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's another player who I thought that I should have probably put in the votes for the Swans, uh, just like I did for Brendan Goddard back in 2017. I gave him ten out of ten, despite the fact he doesn't play for the Swans. I reckon uh, Zach mm-hmm. Clark deserves a good 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 on our, <laughs> on our play ranks because <laughs> that guy, he spotted it up something fierce. I'd be absolutely ropeable if I was an Essendon supporter with that game that he put yeah, in. Yeah, they were ropeable. They were ropeable and um, <laughs> he didn't have a good night. And, nah. um, you know, Wilbur, Wilbur absolutely pickpocketed him for his only goal of the night. I yep. thought that really showed where Zach Clark was. He just got fleeced of the ball. And, uh, and Wilbur smashed it through it, the centre of the sticks. It wasn't, he didn't it, have a good game, did he? No, it wasn't a great handball, but he fumbled that like it was just a hot potato. And you're right, Wilbur <laughs> just ran through, I'll take that, and just slotted it. it was, I, I was at my mate's place watching this, and I was head under the cushion laughing because it was just that embarrassing but also funny. So, yep. And my mate was rolling his eyes um, going, I can't believe what I just saw. So, And he's an Essendon supporter. He was um, perplexed, disappointed and perplexed. <laughs> Speaking of Wilbur, uh, that was a pretty. Uh, he, he probably he probably should have had a bigger impact on the scoreboard than he did. Yeah, um, but uh, he was clean with the ball again. He worked really hard up and down the ground. He uh, again, he's another one of our future forwards who who really looks like he's yeah, going to belong. He does in the, of the ground. Well, yeah, there were comparisons between him and Franklin uh, last year when I think he's top four or top five players to have kicked um, 50 goals in the minimum amount of games or something like that. In, yeah, in the, that's right. Like, in yep, some period was. of time. I can't remember what that stat was exactly, but basically he, he had kicked his first 50 goals faster than Franklin had kicked his 50 goals. Now, I'm not saying he's going to kick 1,000 goals. There's no chance of that. I think over his career, if he, may, if he manages 250 games, he's probably good for about 450 goals. You know, he's more yep. of a... No, I think that would be reasonable. It would be reasonable. He's more of a Jack Gunston type... 
probably not as big as a goal kicker, but more of a Jack Gunston type goal kicker who can play multiple roles. But yeah, look, Wilbur's, Wilbur is really good. But uh, look, some stats, Josh, can you kick us off with some stats? Yep. A lot of stats. A lot of them are, they're a lot better than they have been the last few weeks, that's for sure. Um, so we were plus 18 possessions, uh, 347 to 329. We were negative 13 inside 50s, uh, 41 to 54, which probably doesn't bode well. We really want to be having 55 or 60. Especially at our home ground. We've actually averaged 40 for our last three weeks. That's how bad it's been. Yeah, you know, that, that is true. Um, however, I would, I would say that it was 40... It was 40 inside 50s with pretty good quality, though. Yeah. Whereas Essendon's got more. They got 13 more, but they were garbage. There were a lot of junk, garbage quality inside 50s. Um, they actually got the kind of inside 50s we've been doing. And that was probably just down to our midfield pressure, um, putting pressure on the ball carry. and the, the Yeah, which was really good. No, it's true. Um, our, our efficiency inside 50 was fantastic. So 68% to 39, so we were up 29%. We were negative 12 clearances around the ground. Um, negative seven center clearances, and I think those two are probably just a combination of um, of uh, not as much focus and actually taking possession of the ball, but just shutting down their midfield, and, and and we'd get it as a result of that. We wouldn't necessarily have to clear the ball; we'd just force them to turn it over. Um, plus seven contested possessions. Hooray! We won that category. <laughs> Minus 26 marks, 57 to 83, um, but we did a lot of run and carry and movement by hand, um, yeah. so that's not a not a huge issue. We certainly moved the ball cleanly, uh, I know up the guts that, and up the wings. I know that Zach Jones comes in for a bit of flack, but look, I thought he was important in, um, in the last quarter and getting it moving, although we weren't really hitting any targets, just getting out of the defensive zone was pretty important. Yeah. I think, I think Jones cops a little bit more flack than he, he probably should. You know he's not. He's probably not great with his feet, but and he gets caught holding the ball a bit. But yeah. he's one of the few guys we've got who is willing to take it on. And some you just sometimes you need that guy. You need that guy to take the chance. He always takes it on. If he can, he will do it. Sometimes I think he's trying mm. to. He runs before he thinks too fast and hasn't got an idea of what he's doing. He kind of Leo buries it a bit, makes it up as he goes. But yeah. Um, yeah, some of the stuff he did was actually really good for us to move the ball in transition. So I was really happy with his game. Yep, and, and one thing you can guarantee from Jonesy is that you're not going to find him chipping the ball laterally across the back line. Um, no. Which is just as likely to cause a turnover than anything else anyway. Just someone else is going to do it for him. And on that chipping laterally on the back line, uh, I know we both read the mongrel punt post and there was <laughs> one particular line in the uh, mongrel punt post about this match where the... Uh, when Mongrel, I'm not sure what his actual name is, said, is there a more useless stat than meters gained? Because when it comes to Jake Lloyd, he had 551 meters gained. But he said at least 350 of those meters were gained from kick-ins. Couldn't agree more. I think uh, yeah. Jake Lloyd's form has it's taken a hit over the last sort of month, I reckon. Yep. Yep. He, um, he's going to be a bit of a watch this space at the moment. He, he racks up a lot of possessions, which are absolutely meaningless this year. And he racks up a lot of meters gained, which are absolutely meaningless. And if uh, if kicking to a pack and having the opposition marked it counted as a turnover, he would be an absolute turnover merchant statistically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we were un- 12 tackles less, uh, 73 to 85. And let five tackles, uh, sorry, negative five tackles inside 50, so 10 to 15. But 10 tackles inside 50s, you know, we had two the other week. So 10, 10's a pretty good number for me. Uh, I'd like more, but I'm pretty happy with that. Well, I think that also reflects their forward half dominance and the fact that they had, I think the um, inside 50s is a 
fairly heavy sort of advantage to them, but also the fact that um, their time in attack was about 65% to 35%, something like that. It was really, really high for how much time they actually had it in the forward half. So I think they yeah. did pretty well in that regard. Yep, no, um, not not a perfect performance by any means, but certainly an exciting one and, and, and the kind of thing you can really build your confidence off. Yeah, it was. Now, we did our Player of the Year votes. Uh, so we're going to run through some of the players who appeared on those votes. So Luke Parker, uh, he had 33 disposals, uh, five clearances, I believe, five tackles. Uh, he was enormous in the last quarter. And his, his ability to get the uh, second or third possession out of contest and and use the ball well was really damaging for us and really helped us basically seal the mm-hmm. win. Josh Kennedy, he had 24 disposals, 10 tackles. He was really good at the hard physical stuff and inside, but his ball use was quite poor. He went about 50% and uh, he had quite a few turnovers as well. So he had a good physical game, but uh, wasn't great with the ball. George Hewitt was superb on whoever he played on. Whoever he played on, he just shut them down, and he got enough of his own ball to be damaging as well. So that was important for him. He finished with 19 disposals, five clearances. Jordan Dawson, two goals, a couple marks inside 50, looked like a genuine threat at times. I thought he was a, a really good player, and he's, he has really come on this season. I think... Um, there was a round two, maybe round three, when we did one of a one of the casts, and I suggested that maybe Jordan Dawson, if he can't lift, he's he might end up being cut at the end of the year because his contract is up. But do you see that yeah. happening, Josh? Now, no, no, I, I've I've had high hopes for Jordan Dawson for a couple of years now. Um, his first year at Sydney, when he was just playing Neeful, he looked really good. Um, I think he was being played more as an on-baller then, and he's built a little bit. He's actually dimensionally, he's almost the same as Josh Kennedy, actually. And I thought, well, maybe this kid's going to be an inside bull. Um, and then he had a shoulder injury, which pretty much robbed him of most of last season. Yeah. Um, and he didn't look like he was fit a bit at the beginning of this season. He had a couple of pretty bloody average games. Um, yeah. But he looks fit. Um, he's got a good hoof on him. He's an accurate kick. Um, and uh, he's able to... He, he's actually a decent field kick, which is not something you can say for a lot of our guys. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy with where he is at the moment. And, and as things stand at the moment, you'd have to say he's in our best 22. Yeah. Week in, yeah. week out. Yeah, he might be like in that sort of bottom six, bottom eight, but he's definitely he should definitely be in the team, given the fact that the demographic of the team is quite young and inexperienced. Uh, when he got dropped earlier this year, I thought that was deserved. When he got called back, I was a bit like, eh, not too sure. But... Yeah, his performance mm. has been really good, so I'm really happy with how he's come on. And, uh, of course, Nick Blakey, one goal, five tackles, 17 disposals. Uh, he was in our best. Uh, he was pretty much regarded as being in the best across almost all news publications. AFL had him in the best. He's probably going to get coaches' votes. Um, he's not going to get a round vote, but he's certainly in that sort of top eight, top ten players on the field for the night. Yep. All right, uh, let's have a quick chat about the needful. So the Swans have only lost one game this year. That was last week against Brisbane. They played Sydney Uni uh, with a torrid wind, which was a, basically a six-goal breeze at one point. But some of the players who have been on the fringe, Josh, played exceptionally well. So I'm not yep. going to shy away from the fact that I've been bagging out Ryan Clark a bit. I've kind of <laughs> dished him out in the player innings. I've bagged him out in the match reports. I've had a crack at him on the podcast. But he's, from all reports, he is a wonderful person. He's very nice, happy to chat. He's very keen, very eager, and he wants to do well. And I think, Josh, that has translated in the way that he's played. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. 
So his performance against Sydney Uni for the first quarter and a bit resembled that eagerness to really do too much and too well. He was very fumbly, very bad with the ball. He was butchering it and murdering it. And he was almost a 19th player for Sydney Uni at one point. I'm not sure what happened, but he, he just had this click moment. And then all of a sudden he stopped running as hard. He's still getting to the contest, but his ball use went from... A, oh, I, I can't even think of the word right now, but it was rank. It was disgusting to pretty bloody good. I think yeah. after about that five, six minutes of the second quarter, he went at it all about 85%. It was insane just how good he was with the ball. And he hurt Sydney Uni bad when he had the ball. So not only was he getting it, he was using it and damaging too, which is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think uh, you know, his first or second game with us, uh, my observation was he looks like he's trying too hard. He looks like he tries to spend the ball before he's actually got possession of it. And he, he always has, usually has more time and space than he, than he thinks he has. So he yeah. butchers a lot of stuff that he really shouldn't be butchering. And I think part of what, what made him look so bad in a couple of the senior games too is that because he was one of the few players we had who was working from contest to contest, he was the one guy who showed up to receive the hospital hand pass, which meant he, he turned it over <laughs> yeah. trying to move it on or yeah. he got slammed hold on the ball. So um, some of it's not of his own making, um, but I still think I still think he's worth persisti- persisting with. I just don't know whether he's a defender. I just don't think we're playing him in the right spot. No, look, he is not a defender. Uh, I know North Melbourne tried no. to play him as a defender. And their fans were quite scathing of North Melbourne for trying to play him as a defender. But when you look at North Melbourne's midfield, then their midfield's quite deep. And he's going to have to knock out some some pretty good players to break into that midfield. So they were pretty happy to get rid of him because they couldn't fit him in and they couldn't play him as a defender because his ball use was very, very poor. So we've tried to use him as a midfielder. His fitness is good. His mobility is good. He's pretty tough. He doesn't really get knocked off the ball that easily. But, yeah, look, um, I think on the ball is really the only place to play him, Josh. Yep. He's, uh, his hands are definitely better than his feet, that's for sure. And if the rest of the midfield around him is performing as well, he shouldn't uh, He shouldn't be under the amount of pressure he found himself under in the senior team. Um, no, so, not at all. I mean, the world's his oyster at the moment. He, he can either... Keep working on cleaning up his disposal and getting some more composure. Um, we'll see how he goes in the reserves for the rest of the year. Otherwise, they'll probably cut him if yeah. if he can't sort that out. Uh, but, you know, he had a good game. And if you can have one good game, you, you can yeah. do two. And if you can do two, well, then you might be able to make it a habit. Yeah, look, we had a couple of really good performances in the NEFL. So, obviously, Ryan Clark, 42 disposals, 11 tackles, one goal, three James Rose, who was on the fringe, he had 28 disposals, 5 tackles, 1 goal, 1. James mm-hmm. Rowbottom, 27 disposals, 2 goals, 2, 8 tackles. And Sam Wicks, who is an academy prospect, and I've actually tipped him to be the next player to debut. And I reckon it's going to be before the buy, the way he's going, because he has been red hot the last few weeks. 23 disposals. For 13 tackles, he had 15 handballs. He shows some really good composure, some great pace, and he has absolutely no hesitation to tackle anyone. He is, he's a great tackler, fantastic tackler. He's a fantastic tackler. Um, and you've only got to see the uh, 
the um, the tackle he put on Reese Matheson last yes. week on the goal line when he flattened him. Um, <laughs> came he works from hard. nowhere. He's a, he's a came from nowhere, but he's a good looking prospect. He is. So we've given our player of the year votes for round eight. Five went to Luke Parker. Four went to Dane Rampey. Three went to Josh Kennedy. Two went to Nick Blakey, and one went to Jordan Dawson. And now that gives our captain, Josh Kennedy, a massive eight-vote lead over second place, which is another captain, Luke Parker, and then nine is Oliver Florin, eight Isaac Heaney, and eight Zach Jones. So there's a bit of a backlog on eight votes. So, Josh, we'll be right back after this. Coffee time. Welcome to Intermission. Josh, it is time for our Sunday Champions and Sunday Villains. So I'm going to kick things off. My champion actually happens to come from the very last match of the weekend, Josh. Jason Kostagna. I reckon he's kicked one of the goals of the year. Could possibly be the goal of the year. It was an amazing goal. He grabbed the ball sort of in the pocket on the flank. He's uh, dodged one tackler. Made a beeline for the boundary. There's an umpire literally on the boundary line. He's run around the umpire... Cut in, dodged another tackle, snapped over his shoulder, drilled a beautiful goal. It was amazing. I loved it. It, it was very Eddie Betts-like, wasn't it? It was. It was like, so If Eddie Betts did that, you'd go, oh, well, Eddie Betts just did it again. But, yep. but yeah, it was, it was impressive. It was an impressive goal for sure. Oh, it was. Now, your Sunday champion, and this might be a little bit controversial for our Swans followers. We might, um, yeah. we might not have any listeners next week. Possibly, um, but I'm pretty sure I may have made this guy my hero a few weeks ago. And uh, anyway, we'll have a go. Alistair Clarkson. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Alistair Clarkson, starting in his uh, press uh, post-game press conference last week, was very honest uh, in his assessment of where Hawthorne were at. He uh, described them as being a middle-of-the-road team. He was unimpressed with their performance and, and unimpressed with how they were travelling. And his response to that this week has been emphatic. Dropped Jared Ruffhead, one of the favourite sons, for not performing, sent him back to the VFL, and then showed up at the MCG this afternoon against probably the you know one of the one of the two favourites for the flag this year in GWS, and systematically destroyed them with just a good solid game plan. GWS looks incredibly second rate. Oh yeah, up until um, probably. 10 minutes to go, and, and, and their last goal only came just before uh, the final siren. Uh, they were in line to have their worst score against Hawthorne since they started. They were going to equal their worst score against Hawthorne of 31 points. And uh, Alistair Clarkson just neutered them, completely neutered their midfield and completely neutered their offense. So, you know, Alistair Clarkson's my hero. He, he, yeah. just, he showed this week the kind of impact a coach should have. 
yeah, that game plan, that game plan was superb. Oh, to be to be honest, that match, it was a bit of a snore fest. It was an extremely dour defensive match. Neither team was scoring. Hawthorne wasn't scoring. Half time was uh, twenty nine to eighteen or something like that. It really was not an exciting match to watch, but it was a fascinating match from the point of view of coaching because Hawthorne just looked like they were going to dominate, and they did. Yeah. And they controlled that match from, from a from a from a tactical standpoint. Hawthorne were sensational. It wasn't good viewing, um, and the crowd yeah. numbers showed that because they didn't even get fifteen thousand viewers to the game at an MCG game on a Sunday, which is pretty low for Hawthorne. You'd expect yeah. them at least to get 30, 35 for a Hawks game. But, you know, it, he uh, he came out with a with a way to nullify GWS and nullified him he did. Well, Geelong North Melbourne got more, so you can't exactly blame it on Mother's Day. Uh, that was no. an, an absolutely dreadful crowd to turn up. So, um, yeah, I wish my uh, Sunday villain was a crowd, but it's not. My Sunday villain happens to be the AFL for a number of reasons. I'm just going to quickly <laughs> gloss over them. Uh, rule changes. So uh, we've bagged out the 50 meter rule before. We're not going to bag it out in this show again. But the 666, not a fan. Uh, coaches have basically come out and said it has had the opposite effect as intended. It has actually made their game more defensive. Uh, I think the rule changes really hurt Gold Coast Suns. Uh, last night when they took the lead with 40 seconds left and because of the 666 they couldn't actually put anyone behind the ball so Melbourne predictably mm-hmm. got two clean center clearances and they scrambled scores it wasn't clean they scrambled 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 and then just got a lucky break now that would never yep. have happened if the 666 rule didn't it didn't exist and and it might be a case that 666 rule is you know removed at the end of the season it should be in my opinion it no. should be it has not had any good positive impact on the game whatsoever. The other thing is that really shits me is the fact that there is a massive disconnect between the MRO and the tribunal. Uh, They're completely at at opposite ends. So Gary Ablett got cited for a high elbow, should have got cited, should have been suspended. Players have been suspended for a lot less than that. Appeals it, goes to the tribunal, gets off. What happens? He does the exact same thing against North Melbourne, not once, but twice. So you can blame it for clumsy, you can blame it as whatever you want. AFL has, you know, they, they have a role in this and they have something to answer to this because you can't be letting guys go off elbowing people to the head and then they do it the next match. So, yeah, my uh, villain no. is the AFL, Josh. No, yeah, spot on. You certainly can't argue that, oh, it was just a clumsy bump and you go, well, if it's a shoulder, if it's a shoulder... Um, and it hits the head, well, then they get a week. But if it's a forearm or an elbow in a bump, then it hits the head, it's just a fine. Like, eh, please, come on. Show yeah, us some consistency. And and then at the same time from the same game, you look at the hit that knocked Gary Rowan out, which was an accidental head clash, and all the pundits are going, oh, no, he's going to get a week for knocking Gary Rowan out because it was a bump. And it's like, well, it's an accidental head clash. Yeah. Well, a couple of years ago, players were getting suspended for accidental head clashes when they didn't even know they were there. They were just running into them without yeah. even knowing they were there. They were getting suspended. And we thought, I oh, the system the, got mad. I had high hopes for the MRO, but... Uh, it's turned into uh, a just the inc- It has, and the inconsistency has just moved. Yeah. It's just moved. It's just moved somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, I agree that here we are, two years, three years into this new thing, and it's just as bad as the system they oh, replaced, <laughs> which was just as bad as the system they replaced. Yep. Yep, they uh, didn't want any tribunal sittings on Tuesday every week, so they brought in the MRP to 
try and reduce that amount. But um, I remember when it was first introduced and the first decisions, people were laughing at it going, no, this system's still utterly broken. So, yeah, yeah, look, I think it may very well go back to being a tribunal system pretty soon because the MRO's failed as mandate and the MRP's failed as mandate. But uh, that's an entire yep. topic for an entire show. I don't want to go into it anymore. Your villain, please, Josh. Uh-huh. I hate this guy. I think he's a flog. Toby Green is one of those players that if he played for us, I think he's great. No, I think he's but still because a flog. he plays for someone else, I think he's a flog. He's a flog. Um, <laughs> it's it's actually a little bit like Tommy Papley. I love Tom Papley, but if he played for another team, I reckon I'd hate him. Um, and I've always said that he's just an, he's just got that little bit of niggle that you love to hate sort of thing. But Toby Green, Toby Green's my villain this week um, because <laughs> he he had a penalty paid against him this afternoon for studs up, which is just hilarious because the rule was brought in because of him. Yeah. Um, and then he he cracked he cracked the sage, threw Stratton to the ground, and conceded a fifty meter penalty. And it's just. <laughs> I just don't like him. I think yeah. he's a flog, and, and Toby he's Green's my villain this week. No, nah, agree 100%. He is a flog. And if I had a uh, flog file segment, um, he would be flog <laughs> five through to one every single week. Yeah, yep. flog, king flog. I think he's got the most punchable face in the AFL. He kind of, he's a yeah, bit of a throwback to like Stephen Baker. For those who remember in like the uh, the noughties when Stephen, Blaker, uh, when Stephen Baker ran around for St. Kilda, and um, yeah, he, he was not a nice chap. All right, yep. uh, it is now time for the Clown Files. We introduced this segment last week. We do our four nominations and then we have our Clown of the Week. Uh, it was very well received last week, Josh. Uh, we also had a lot of fun doing it last week and we had some <laughs> great nominations who basically put them, their, hand, their own hands up going, nominate us, nominate us, because they were embarrassingly bad and also hilarious. Yeah, and these and these are just the ones that we can think we can get away with talking about, the, <laughs> the stuff that we actually talk about <laughs> off off the uh, off the record. Is uh, is much better, but not really fit for public. No, use. no. But um, <laughs> kick things off. Gary Ablett flying elbow against North Melbourne. So we touched on it briefly. Uh, Gary Ablett is definitely getting a nomination for it this week because he did it twice in the match, and the MRO yeah. and the AFL screwed up on this. He should have been suspended, and if he was suspended, he wouldn't be doing it. So, yeah. Gary Ablett, he gets it's my nomination. It's just such a clown thing to do. Like it, it is just the ball. The ball was nowhere near the North guy. Clearly got rid of the ball. He left the ground. He changed direction to pull it off. And and you know, and Chris Scott's like, oh, you know, I don't have a problem with it. it it's just he could, it's just blatantly obvious that yeah, it's deliberate. It's not the right thing to do. Blatantly yeah. obvious. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. And I don't know whether or not they're going to argue whether it was intentional or not, but it did look. Pretty intentional. Clown? Certified clown? Yeah, certified clown. All right, your nomination as well, Josh, please. Well, you stole my thunder, and that is the AFL rule changes with the 666 business. Look, you know, it's done exactly what people said it would. It hasn't increased scoring, and and it's follow-on effect, because there's always a hidden effect from these well-intended rule changes, is that it's made it harder for lesser teams to defend, you know? And, and I think... Probably the Suns were a good example of that this week. Yeah, you know they're arguably not as talented in the middle as what as what the D's are, and that and last year they would have put an extra behind the ball and try and cut off that and try and maintain that very narrow lead that they had. And I feel sorry for him. So yeah, six six six. It looks pretty. 
I'll give it that, but it hasn't fixed any of the stuff no. that it hasn't fixed any of the stuff they were trying to. So, in typical fashion, we'll clown the AFL yep. for rule changes again. Yeah, and for that one or two centre clearance goals that you get a match, you know, it's really made getting other goals a real struggle because it's basically prevented those teams from having the extra out at the back because now there's that player is manned up, so it's kind of made it this really slow, congested, just boring kind of style of football to watch at the moment. No, that's right. So to to stop the fast break, which you can't contain once it starts, they just double down on the contested ball even more. So it's yeah. not... There's, it creates a couple of exciting passages of play in a game, but it, but overall, it hasn't had the, anything like the impact that they wanted. No, the average scoring is much lower than it has been in recent years. But the other thing is, I think the highest score this season's only been about 120, 130. Yeah, so, yeah. And the average score, four teams... Like Adelaide are now averaging under 100, and they've blamed the 666 yep. rule. And that for the previous yep. three seasons, they were averaging over 100. I think in 2016, they were averaging 120 points a game. Yep. So, yep, just. Yeah. You but, fail, uh, Phil. You fail. You fail for sure. Next nomination Liam Shields. This <laughs> <laughs> This is. Uh, this is an absolute classic. Um, yeah. He's. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I've, I've actually laughed it out of my memory. But what happened was the uh, ball went over the top. <laughs> Him and Gunston uh, running into an open goal. There was no one else except for them running into an open goal. And uh, I don't know if Gunston's called for it or not, but he's bent down to pick it up, completely missed it, and then he just booted it into the upright and got a point for into the post. So I, th- I think that was the hardest possible thing to do was to not pick it up. The, the look on Gunston's face when he turned to Shields after he kicked that behind was it? The look on his face was, "Are you bloody kidding me? Just pick up the ball and hand hand it off. Hand off the ball. No, nah. it was it was absolutely Keystone classic corner crap. Yeah, it, it was really bad. Um, and then not to be outdone, Jeremy Cameron did something similar at the other end later on that quarter, or might have been the next quarter actually. Jeremy Cameron did something similar, but certainly the Liam Shields one was more comical. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, it was. He had it, to work. He worked really hard to stuff it up. <laughs> I reckon it was worse than uh, last week's Dangerfield one when he handled over into the into the uh, square. This one took some pretty pretty good impressive doing to screw up, and he screwed it up. So you get our yep. nomination this week, Liam Shields. Joshua, your nomination. Uh, anybody who watched the game on Friday night would have been listening to two and a half, three hours of. Inside jokes and absolute crap from Hamish yep. McLaughlin. McLaughlin, I can't even pronounce his name right. Hamish McLaughlin and Basil Zampalis. Yeah. Honestly, people have known that his name was Fantasia for two and a half seasons now. And all of a sudden last night, it was like it was some freaking new thing that they'd only just discovered. And they kept going on with it all friggin' match. All friggin' match. <laughs> and I just wanted to go... If you could just bring up your bat phone and give them a ring and say, guys, just shut up and call the game. You know, it just stop with the inside jokes and the nicknames. Just call the friggin' game. So it was painful. Um, the only way it could have been worse if, if was if Brian Taylor was there. Oh, God. That uh, would have been just unbearable then. I don't but, even know uh, how they managed. Commentators ha- and inside jokes. But I don't know how they managed to have Hamish McLaughlin and Basil Zemplis on for that match. They have got to be the two worst commentators out there. And Basil Zemplis is spending Shocking. most of his days now doing all the breakfast shows and and those uh, the kind of shows that those the mums that stay at home with their children kind of watch. The stuff that no <laughs> one else enjoys except for Basil Zemplis. 
Yeah, and it Basil, shows. Basil Zemplis really does what Basil Zemplis does for him. <sighs> yeah, it was just terrible. It was, it was shocking bad. commentary. Yeah, it, it was, was pretty bad. A, it was just not good, not enjoyable at all. Okay, and that now leads us to our clown of the week. And our clown of the week for this week can be the one, the only, Swans co-captain, Dane Rampey. Uh, and this is for his Harvey Danger flagpole sitter impersonation. Um, he went up the flagpole and he sung a couple of couple of lines and he came back down. At the behest of the umpire, the rage from all and sundry in the AFL was uh, palpable. And by AFL, I mean the salty tears of the Essendon supporters. I kind of wish I was a bit like Eric Cartman just licking those salty tears away from them because they were <laughs> salty at the most. But, oh, uh, what was he thinking? I don't know what he was thinking. It was a uh, boneheaded decision to I do. Mean, you'd have to make the assumption that he actually doesn't know that that's in the rule book uh, for him to do it. Like, But, but anyone who plays just, football knows he can't shake the post. And what are you going to do when you're climbing a post? You're not, not going to shake it, right? The post is going to shake even if you don't want it to shake. Interestingly enough, that is actually one of the defences that's been used, that he wasn't shaking it, he was climbing it. Look, I, <laughs> this is going to go on forever. Kane Corns has had a whack at him, yep. buddy. Every man and his dog's had a whack at him. Every Essendon supporter on the planet's had a whack at him. And what I would say, I've actually got something to say about this thing, that if it's in the rule book, just pay the free kick and they shouldn't be giving out warnings. Well, that's fine, guys. That's fine. But if you want to get rid of warnings, get ready for 20 or 30 bloody 50-metre penalties every yep. friggin' match for yep. encroaching on the mark. So just be bloody yeah. careful what you wish for. Common sense applies, look. Yep. So Nevertheless. Just, yeah, just de-escalation. And that's what the umpire did. The umpire did the right thing. He tried to de-escalate. Nevertheless, Dane Rampey, you're yep. my friend. Clown of the week. You're a clown. Okay, now... As we said earlier, in the top of the agenda, top of the show, we are running the competition for the Dane Rampy meme. So make sure you get your your entry in by May 22nd. Winner gets one Taters Gonna Take t-shirt and one Swans Blog mug. You get to pick it out. So make sure you get your entry in. All is welcome. Um, I myself can't enter because then I would vote for me. But I might enter just to uh, do something for shits and gigs, something a bit fun. You there's, know. there's that corruption thing again. The corruption and the winner is me. <laughs> me. I really wanted that shirt. I'm going to give myself the T-shirt that I'm actually paying for to begin yeah. with. <laughs> I've already got enough mugs anyway. I think uh, Mrs. Boggs will uh, send me out to the doghouse if I rock up with another mug. So, yeah. no, no You've only got to look win. in the mirror to find a mug in your house, mate. <laughs> yeah, I've got stickers everywhere already. Uh, now it is time for the good, the bad and the ugly. And now the good, Josh, you're good from the week, please. Yeah, my good. Look, I'm not going to go into it too much because I already sung his praises a little bit earlier. And that was Nick Blakey. Yes. Oh, big Nick Blakey. Look, he, he he's just, he showed a couple of moments this week where you just go, oh, this kid's going to be a player. And, and I'm yep. really glad we drafted him. And I just, yeah, Nick Blakey, he's good and he's going to be great. Yeah, he is. Uh, my good. Ryan Clark's game of the kneeful. Again, we've already talked about these things. Actually, I've got a feeling we'll talk about all the things that are good about the ugly, but yeah, Ryan Clark's game of the kneeful. Uh, I reckon if he can do that again next week, he is sure to come straight back in. Uh, the bad, Josh, your bad, please. 
Oh, you're right. We've repeated ourselves. Just commentators and their bullshit inside jokes. You know, just shut up. Call the game. One of the best games I, I ever heard called was actually done by Warren Treadray of all bloody people. And it was a game down in Adelaide. I listened to it on the radio and I thought, gee, this must be a cracking game. Like he, he just, he really sold it. So I came home, <laughs> pulled up AFL Live and watched the game and it was absolute garbage. And I think that's the, uh, it was a crap game. And I think that's the gauge of a good game yep. is if the commentator makes you believe it's better than it is, but just the garbage this week and every other week, I guess, for that matter. It's just, yeah. just garbage. So commentators, shut up, call the game. I thought the commentary was just bog average. It was really, really quite poor. My yep. bad, Josh. Um, we've already talked about this one. Dane Rampey's a flag bowl sitter. <laughs> Harvey Danger. Yes, it's an old song from the late 70s. But uh, look, <laughs> we've seen some great memes come up already. We've uh, already seen the uh, the King Kong one, which is great. He's climbing the... Um, was it Empire Tower? <laughs> uh, we've seen Empire him State on... State Building, um, yeah. Um, yeah. that's right. Empire State Building. We've already seen him on the uh, stripper pole. Uh, we've already seen the rampy robe and the uh, and the pole, you know, or free post, rather. So, yeah, my, my bad is Dane Rampy's brain fade. That was... Um, if that ball had come <laughs> close, it would have been a free kick. So, <laughs> we got lucky yeah. there. Uh, yeah, thankfully, it dropped short. It did. It dropped 10 metres short, so we're safe. Uh, and you're ugly, Josh? Ugly. I've got this rule bound on my bonnet lately about presidents of AFL clubs who work within the media. Not so much that idiot over in the West, but certainly the one that's here in Melbourne. Eddie Maguire sprouts off a whole lot of crap for an AFL club president that he really shouldn't be doing. Yeah. So, And, and he's got far too much pull with AFL House as well. So, you know, one of the things that springs to mind uh, within the last couple of years was when he presented his own idea for redeveloping the MCG um, <laughs> yeah. slash Rod Labor Arena area, which which coincidentally included like a 55,000-seat stadium that would be Collingwood's new home ground, but yeah. it would get paid for by the AFL and the state government. Um, and uh, and this week, just uh, you know, in a Kevin Sheedy-esque stir-the-pot kind of moment, he suggested that um, Carlton should, you know, sort of get rid of Bolton and chase Alistair Clarkson. And then... Uh, it's sort of, and I think part of that was that they thought that the crowd numbers for that Carlton Collingwood game we were going to be a little bit low. Um, anyway, they got a decent crowd. They got eighty thousand or seventy five thousand or something, and and Carlton showed up to play. And if it wasn't <laughs> yeah, for did. some, you know, a couple of moments, the officials might wish they had back in the last ten minutes. Um, Carlton were very much in the seat to be able to snatch that game, and it almost backfired spectacularly on him. But um, presidents of football clubs who say too much in the media. Yeah. Ugly. Yeah, look, Carlton, I think, should have won that. And again, it comes back to that sort of um, the Gold Coast inexperienced defence. Uh, in this case, it wasn't a 6-6-6 rule. It was just the defence was a bit too inexperienced and Carlton just couldn't get their numbers back. And there was still plenty of time in the game at that point. There was still, I think, four or five minutes left. So, yeah, they could have won it, probably should have won it, got a bit stiff. But, yeah, look, yeah. Eddie Maguire says a lot think- of dumb shit, to be honest. Yeah, no, no, no. Doherty's hurting them bad. I think. Uh, I think Doherty and Simpson are probably the difference between you know the, the they win the that with two and too. six. They've got or maybe yep. a four four. Yeah. Yeah. Look, my ugly is got to be the Giants at the MCG. We touched on this with Clarkson. They were ranked. They were disgraceful. They were. They had probably two players who could hold their heads high. Okay, that was Josh Kelly and. Maybe Finlayson. Yeah, 
Yeah, Finlayson was all right. Certainly their bloody poor. Ruckman can't hold his head. Oh, Dawson away. Simpson. Oh, God. He is bloody average. But the thing is, he still beats Darcy Cameron when he plays him. And to be honest, I could have actually put this as my ugly because it is now a really bad situation. I don't know if people know, but Darcy Cameron actually strained his calf in the Neeful. So we have no yeah. other Ruckman. This is it. Neeful has no Ruckman. They're going to have to play Joel Amadi, a 196-centimeter guy in the Ruck. They've got no choice. So if Callum Sinko's yep. gone, see you later season. Well, see you later yeah, season already, yeah, but, you know, we're screwed. Yeah, certainly are. It's time to... Oh, I don't care what they do now, but they need they need to seriously limit his ruck minutes now. Um, yeah. Put Reid in there. Make make Reid do it, you know. Go up the Sinclair now because they have zero options. Yeah. Like, absolutely zero options. Yeah, they've got nothing in there, so... Look, that's it for tonight's show. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me. Always like showing up. No, I love having you on. It's always a good show when you're here. Uh, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media with the tag Swans Blog at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the hashtags SwansCast and SwansCast Extra. Now, we do have another SwansCast fans interview coming up this week. It was with Heather Quinlan, so stay tuned for that. And make sure you get your entries in for the Dane Rampy meme competition. We want to see the best ones, and we want to give you some of our good stuff from our Redbubble shop. And if you see anything you like, go in there and buy it. Until next time, Josh, go Swans. Go Swannies.